There's certainly nothing to hide. I mean, you know, I've, I've been listening to some of the training that was delivered to VARs and referees here, and, and the level of communication is really high. It's very professional. Um, you know, it's very focused in terms of you know, what the decision is that's being checked and the, the considerations that are being looked at. When you hear the, the levels that these people are working to, it, it leaves a positive impression. The levels are good and, uh, and the perception is maybe not quite in line with reality. Hello and welcome to the Sound of Football podcast. I'm Graham Sibley and as ever I'm joined by Jan Bilton. Hello. And Terry DeFellon. Hello. Well, it's been a busy day. Well, it's been a busy weekend. Yeah, lots of accusations going around. A lot of mistrust. A lot of mistrust. It's difficult to know where to start, really, because you never know when you're going to step on a landmine, say something... And it'll just be something that you think is the right thing to say, and it's not the right thing to say, and then all of a sudden, everything's blown up. Yeah, VAR. We're going to be talking about VAR again this week. I know we talked a bit about VAR and decision-making last week, but we're not going to be talking about handballs this week. So that last week was handball, this week is not. This week is more your common or garden VAR is crap conversation, I think. That's, that's, that's what it's going to basically be. Now, Terry, we've been talking about how crap VAR was, is, since before VAR even had a name. We're back when it was uh, video technology to help referees. And we were outlying voices back then. And I'm beginning to feel like I should take a bit more of a contrarian stance now because <laughs> everyone thinks that VAR should be binned off now. I mean, maybe, is there a way that we can come up with something where, where we can be pro-VAR, do you think? Or do you think, no, we just have to go with this? Uh, we, we could be against VAR in its current form and then suggest maybe that some kind of analogue version would be acceptable, yep. maybe on Super 8 cameras or something like that. Using reel-to-reel film. Yeah, this is very that? this is very much on brand for us. I think that would work very very well. Jan, Jan, welcome back. You weren't here last week, um, but um, Thank you. yeah. So so you're fresh to the VAR chat. <laughs> this latest batch. <laughs> the latest batch. Yes. Um, so do you think that we just become horribly mainstream now with our opinions on on VAR? Uh, it's just nice to see that everybody else has finally caught up with us. I mean, I even listened to. The other podcast, which is basically match of the day, but Gary Lineker just get, keeps all the money for himself because it's his production company. Anyway, I listened to that one, and they were all they were even even those three that are effectively paid indirectly by the Premier League were talking about getting rid of it. And I never thought I'd hear that. Don't think I've heard a high-profile pundit say that they didn't like VAR, uh, or if I have, I've deleted it from my memory. Um, but I I think that yeah, people are coming on board. They're realising that we set the standard on this, that they realise that we are right and they have been wrong all of this time. So yeah, welcome aboard, guys. Welcome aboard. Yeah, yes, of course. Welcome aboard. Now, of course, you know, I'd like to be the bigger person to say, look, it's not about <laughs> being right here. It's not about being right. It's not about being smug or anything like that. But it really um, is because that's why we have our own <laughs> podcast. I mean, like, you know, if, if you can't just wallow in smugness on weekends like this, then what the hell is the point of doing a podcast? Hey, eh, Terry? Yeah, and I would like to petition all of our listeners to go onto their socials and say, 
the sound of football were right about VAR, even before VAR existed. It was a glint in Rupert Murdoch's eye. Even before then, we were right about VAR. We were right about the Nations League and we were right about VAR. These are the two big planks of football that we are absolutely, completely and utterly correct on. I think it would be really good if you, you know, you're the ultra groups that are around. You're aware of them, I'm sure. Um, but they, um, they have those little stickers that they put up a, around the place, which are really cool. And I think it was really good if we had our own ultra stickers around saying the sound of football was right. Yeah. <laughs> about VAR. About, about VAR. VAR. <laughs> Wrong about most wrong about, <laughs> And also, the nation's No, league. I think we should, you know, if we leave off the v- about VAR, then we're, we're kind of awning. We, should, we, we need to big ourselves up a bit, Terry. We need, we need more than I a agree. handful of listeners. Um, but yeah, I think we need, to, we need to shout about the fact that, we, we, that we've been saying this for ages when it was uncool. Mm. <laughs> yes, we were. We, and we were outliers. And we were, we were you know, we, we took a degree of flack for mm. our uh, correct opinions. But yeah. we stood by them and exactly. there we are. We were right. Everyone else was wrong. Yeah, we were right. Isn't it great to be so miserable? Yeah. Eh? <laughs> Yay! Football is being ruined. It's great. And we were right. That's the main thing. Yes. It isn't that football's being ruined. The main thing is we were correct. Well, yes. And you know what? It didn't require us to go over to a little box at Stotley Park to be told that we were correct. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> I've just My mind's just become congested with the idea that opinions have to go through. <laughs> Our opinions um, would have to go through to see if there was a clear and obvious error in what <laughs> you just said, Jan. <laughs> every choice you make has to be checked after you've made it on the VAR. Everywhere you walk on the planet, We'll have monitor screens within about 100 yards of each other. And you go on there and you check the validity of, your, of what you've just done, whether you decided to have that pistachio ice cream or a vanilla one. Well, it's the obvious way forward, isn't it? Is it? For people who like VAR, then that's their utopia, isn't it? That's where everything is perfect and nothing ever goes wrong. Mm, until yeah, exactly. it does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to pull up uh, Dave from Dagenham. VAR's intervened here because that text he sent to his ex last night, I think we need to look at clear and obvious error. You shouldn't text while drunk. Just pull him up on things like that. It's, you're yeah. right, everything should be checked. Everything should be checked because everything has to be correct. Everything does have to be correct. Right, okay, well, let's talk about specifics and let's talk about the incident that we're really, really honing in on. And this is, well, it's the match, really, not just one incident it's uh, the match between Spurs and Liverpool which was an insane game of football it was in many ways because of the way it was played the way it was played out the way the game was played was absolutely brilliant to watch and won by an own goal eight <laughs> seconds before the end of added time a team of nine men had valiantly stood up uh, for so long, and then all of a sudden they conceded no goal. I mean, it was comedically, dramatically, it was it was perfect on every level. You know, you couldn't write it that was, sort of thing, could you? Well, you couldn't. No, I mean, like oh. if it had happened in the eighties or nineties, he would have gone straight on to Danny Baker's next video. <laughs> I mean, it, it was absolute genius, and from a Schalke player as well. How <laughs> wonderful! Wasn't it almost too? perfect in its entertainment value <laughs> it's almost like you know for years as a teenager i i refused to believe that like wwf or whatever it's called the wrestling not the wildlife fund obviously um was staged in some way 
because it was just always really entertaining to my 13 year old self and i'm just wondering whether was that a bit was that staged there are people out there who do think that the premier league is basically <laughs> like wwe and that it's staged and that we're the marks yeah yeah <laughs> that's pretty deep cut that know, is. but there are people who believe it you know i must admit i mean like the choreography involved to actually carry that <laughs> off I, like especially in that game would be utterly insane <laughs> but you know these are highly trained professionals like, they and, are and, indeed and, and entertainment entertainment professionals and yeah they work very hard at this so, they, they, they do indeed well of course the game pivoted on two var decisions one was a red card uh, var overturned a yellow card that was handed out to curtis jones and upgraded it to a red card and then we also have, well, I think it was only about 10 minutes later, wasn't it, I think, when Luis Diaz got a goal called off on the field for offside, and then it went to VAR, and mm-hmm. VAR confirmed it was offside. And mm. play quickly went on with alarming haste. And uh, mm. it was very confusing because everyone could see, everyone could see that he was onside. And yet, nothing happened. No local lines came on the screen. Everything just went ahead. And everyone was confused. Everyone. Well, except the players. They got on and played the game. And um, we were just left with this sort of feeling of, what the hell just happened there? Well, I, I mean, uh, so, so full disclosure, I was watching RB Leipzig versus Bayern Munich on the other side. So I caught the highlights of this game. Uh, and uh, but having known what happened, because so, I was then on, I was on Twitter. One of the rare occasions where you go on Twitter these days is doing a big. And I looked look at this. I thought there's merry hell going on on the other side. Maybe I should like switch. Uh, anyway. Anyway, it finished two two. By the way, and it was a cracking game. Nothing compared to what we just had there. But you know, so it looks like what has happened is there's a failure of process. The uh, VAR has misunderstood effectively the uh, the referee's instructional request they've checked to see whether or not the goal should stand or whether or not it shouldn't stand and the way in which they then close that process off is to say check complete but they misunderstood what they were being asked to do they thought that the goal was given and so they were checking to see if it was onside yeah so they thought all right okay yeah no that's onside check complete yeah but in fact, the goal wasn't given. And so they just said, yeah, check complete, which then they said, OK, fine. So it's offside then and on we go. From all reports, we haven't heard the audio or anything like that, but all reports say that this mistake was picked up within seconds. I think seven seconds it took for them to realise that the game had restarted again. And yet they couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't stop it. What sort of situation are we in now? where you can't stop a game seven seconds after it's kicked off again and say, look, a horrible mistake has happened. That's actually a goal. Why are the officials doubling down on this and saying, well, yes, we made a mistake, but there's nothing we can do about it. Look, they've taken an indirect free kick. All hell will be let loose if we roll the clock back. When you just say check complete, there's no positive assertion about what the decision is that you've made. So if he said, oh, yeah, that's a goal, everything's cool. Yeah. Or say no, that's not a goal. Then, it, then it would have been okay. Right, fine. All right, it's a goal. Okay, cool. That's fine. Let's go. But it didn't. And then the further compunction is, is that once the play resumes, that's it. It's as though you, in order to stop the game, would be to stop time itself and wind back. 
which is not actually how it would be. It would just simply be stopping the game yeah. and then saying, right, okay, there's been a balls up here. Sorry about that, but that's actually a goal. It's 1-0 Liverpool. On we go. On we go, yeah. There's a few things there that's just that's coming to mind. So the, the seven seconds later, or wh- however many seconds later, but I say a very short period of time when they realised that there'd been a, a miscommunication there, which happens, but they, I'll come on to what I want to say about language in a second, but I think that that's long enough to say, look, we need to go back to this and we need to have a conversation. And yes, it would have looked silly. And yes, we probably still would have been talking about that if they had backed up on it, but at least they'll have done the right thing. Uh, you know, it reminds me, it may not have been the first season that uh, VAR was in Germany, but wasn't there a game, Terry, you probably know this better than me, where VAR awarded a penalty when the players had actually left the field and gone into for half time. Yeah. Right, so if you can do something as crazy as that, and that is crazy, then you can pull a game back after seven seconds and say, uh, what everyone, uh, people always say, we've got the technology, so why don't we use it? And they had the technology and didn't use it. It'd be interesting because we know that Liverpool have asked for the audio on this. I wonder whether you know the, the likes of us will get to listen to that audio. It seems to me that whichever language or whatever language they were using must have been quite imprecise because if you're saying, can you confirm, I need you to confirm that was offside or not, is one thing. But if you're just going back with check complete, it needs to be something more specific, doesn't it? It needs to be like, you may award the indirect free kick. You may award the goal. However you do it, however you say it, it needs to be exact, doesn't it? Otherwise, you're relying mm. on what you think someone said. Um, and that's the whole point of this. It's supposed to be robust. I mean, we're sp- we can't rely on what the referee thought he saw. That's why we've got VAR. Um, not that we agree with it, but you know that's why it's there, because he's gone, look, I saw what I saw, but I saw it once. Um, so I think it needs to be the same with the language as well. It needs to be as exact and, and to be to be checked. And it, need, it almost needs to be prescribed. You need to, you need to, you know, talk about the, ch- mention the charge, mention the decision, and that hopefully but will take care of it. That's the issue, Yeah is that if I'm understanding what I've read correctly, is that the VAR, Darren England, went by the process in terms of its language. He just misunderstood what he was being asked to do. Yeah. So it is a human error, but it is also a failure of process. What do you think Liverpool are going to do with that audio? I don't know. Because I thought Jurgen Klopp handled the whole thing very statesmanlike yeah. and very cleverly immediately afterwards. He was perfectly entitled to really lose his rag but he was able to, and in fact, I watched the uh, being sports uh, uh, lady uh, trying in the perfectly professional manner to try and coax a, a, an emotional reaction out of him. But um, and while he was emotional, he wasn't angry. He didn't rant. He just took it nice. He was fairly cool about it. And particularly in regard to that Darren England, who, who, who he insisted and had clearly made a mistake and probably wasn't wanting to be the guy who wanted to lead you know, a, a, an angry mob to his doorstep, you know, by inflaming the situation. We learned a lot about Jurgen Klopp's leadership. Yeah. By, by, and the kind of guy he is and the kind of manager he is. And uh, w- w- with that, actually, it was quite revealing. <laughs> but it was also very, very strategic. Because if he'd gone off on one, then a lot of the media spotlight would have fallen on him. And really, all of this needs to be squarely on the PGMOL at this point, because mm. they are the ones who have messed this up and they should be the ones were taking as much of the heat as possible so it was very very clever i felt liverpool's statement the following day was a little less clever and the idea of what they're going to be reviewing the situation you're thinking well what does that mean and now they're asking for the audio so well what do you want to do with that are you thinking of taking legal action do you disbelieve what you're being told and you want clarification that does seem to suggest what it what it could be i don't think it's the right step 
for them, to be honest with you. I think that they can afford to take a step back and be and be the bigger people out of all of this whole thing and just say, look, we'll we wait with interest to see the outcome of the PGML's review. And then obviously then if they're not satisfied, they can take things further that way. But I think that they just need to be a little bit – comms for, in general on this incident has been pretty awful. Yeah. I don't think Liverpool made the right move in that respect. They should have just let Klopp do the talking. Yeah, it is interesting what that tonal shift that has actually happened there with the official. And a lot of that is reading between the lines. It's leaving so much room for people to fill in the gaps themselves to think, well, what are you looking for? Or maybe they're just letting the PGMOL stew because they can, Mm. because they've royally messed up just to see what they can get out of it. Now, of course, there's not going to be a replay. They're not going to replay that game because... Every apology that the PGMOL has issued over the last 12 months will have teams saying, where was our replay? And it's a referee balls up. Yeah. I mean, they happen all the time. Yeah. Referees make game-changing mistakes up and down the country, all across the world. Yeah. Okay. This one is different insofar it's two mistakes on it's two referees looking at the same issue and coming and and making them making a mistake twice. Okay, so there's an Oscar Wilde quote in there somewhere. So it is different, but it is still, in essence, a referee cock-up. Yeah. And like, you don't replay games over referee cock-ups. You just, you just don't. And <laughs> otherwise, we'd be having replays all the time. My God, these... Ah, oh, no, international football. This is terrible. Oh, no, FA Cup replays. Oh, we're all so busy. Or like they get one bad call and they want to replay. Forget it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Klopp is usually quite vocal on the fixture congestion, isn't he? Yeah. And Klopp is not calling for it. And I don't think no, Liverpool are calling no, for it. I think not. it's only a, you know, a cohort of them, some of their more vocal fans who are calling for it. Well, also, it doesn't help with Howard Webb being in charge because I think under his watch, wasn't there in MLS, there was there a game that, was replayed from the moment that a mistake happened. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, but I mean... Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, MLS, who cares? Yeah, of course. (laughs) But, uh, hey, you're okay, guys. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we only mess with you. Um, But, yeah, no, no, very, very important. Very, very, very important game. Very, very important (laughs) composition. Um, Yeah, but, yeah, obviously, this is... this is uh, Help me out here, Jan. Um, (laughs) uh, No, no, I think you do quite well in your own game. You're You're doing beautifully. (laughs) You're taking that... So, so yeah, so yeah, so you got ridiculous situations like that where where you all come back again the next day and, and kick off the game again from where where it left off. But what can they do, really? They're going to drag this through the courts for three points. No, I mean no, that would no, that would be no. that would be crazy. So they're not going to do that. The game's not going to be replayed, as you quite rightly point out. Um, and they're not <laughs> not going to go from the second where the 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 mistakes happen. But what can they do? I mean, could they refuse the cameras? So we're just not we're not going to we're not going to allow the VAR no, cameras can't in. do that. Well, yeah. yeah well, I know. So, so my point is that they they say that they're taking this under advisement. They're, they're reviewing their position. Um, I'm 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 misquoting them here, but I'm paraphrasing if anything. Yeah. Um, and they want the audio. So what what are they? They can't do anything, can they? There's nothing that Liverpool can do other than write a strongly worded letter to um, PGMOL. This might well be the strategy. They might be using this to go after PGMOL. Uh, or, and that is to say the people who work there. Howard Webb and his mates. Yeah, his missus and his cohorts there as well. Yeah, he's been in post for less than a year. And he was brought in because, you know, he'd had experience of 
sorting this out. He was meant to be quite savvy, meant to be able to be the bridge between the sport and the officials. And really, it's gotten worse, hasn't it? It's fair to say. I don't think there has been any improvement. We've got a nice swanky show that the PGMOL produce with Michael Owen on there to explain the decisions that have been made. But as we said last week, this sort of content is dire. No one, no one cares. Everyone's going on about the fact that, oh yeah, the referee should come on and explain their their decisions. No, you want them to go up there so you can throw a cabbage at them. That's what you want to do. (laughs) I think referees have needed a little bit more protection more than anything else. Now that this show that they've been doing, I don't know how many episodes I've been made of them, and I don't know whether it is weekly. But the thing is, of course, is that when you have moments like this, which is very actually quite serious, then what do you do? You, you then go back onto your show, show and try and put a brave face on it and try and front up. And, and of course, then it becomes quite transparent or quite obvious that there are some things that you do want to talk about. And there are other instances that you don't want to talk about. Because you know the likelihood is is that there's been a colossal mess up on this, and it's not something that they're probably necessarily going to want to share too much, um, because it's going to make them look really really bad. I mean, they just want probably what they would they would want this to go away, and it might well be that the answer to the to Graham's question, guys, is that Liverpool have asked for it because they don't want this story to disappear off the news cycle. Yeah, they probably want a pound of flesh. Yeah. Uh, and they may well get it too. And I would argue that it might be justifiable. I think that there may well be people who might really need to consider their position. This is the key point here, because a lot of there's a lot of talk going on about how referees should be protected, and, and they should. We're going through a time when there is a refereeing crisis at all levels, and it starts at the top as well, because you've criticised referees at the top, and that's going to go all the way way down to the bottom. But this is the main problem with VAR. And the main problem with, about VAR is, yes, it's annoying. Yes, it breaks up the flow of a game. And yes, it ruins it for, if, you're, if you're watching as a match-going fan. Or even if you're at home, it, it just changes the nature of the game and makes it less entertaining. There is no two ways about it. It makes the game less entertaining. It may be more correct most of the time, but it is less entertaining. This is the payoff you've made. The problem is, is that it's making referees accountable for everything and it's no wonder that they panic that we've been told you've got to be quicker with your decision making these mistakes are going to happen you either you either have slow deliberate decision making or you end up in situations like this and it's no surprise that this has happened within the first year of how we're taking over because he has come in saying that he's going to streamline the process he's going to make it a lot more open and Really, all that does is leave the referees more vulnerable. And so there is no solution at the moment. All the time VAR is there. VAR does not help referees. It was always brought in to say, oh, it's such a tough game to referee. They need all the help they can get. This was the first change in the tone about why VAR should be brought in. Firstly, it was because referees make mistakes. And there was also the underlying train of... A lot of referees, they might be bent and you never know about it. And I think that's what people applauded VAR. They thought, oh, this is it. This is now we'll be able to know. Now we'll be able to get rid of all the crap referees, all the ones that never give our club anything, because now there's an audit trail there of all the different decisions they've made and they won't escape it this time. And it just hasn't happened that way. And so the only way you can do it is by getting rid of VAR, isn't it right, Jan? Absolutely correct. 
Um, we want it right, but we don't want to wait for it. It's supposed to improve the game, but it's changed the game because it's yep. not the same outside of the Premier League in in, the, in England and outside the top divisions elsewhere. It needs to be ripped out, and this isn't this hasn't come to a head for me or uh, for for you guys either. This is what we've been saying all along. Clearly, they're not going to do it mid-season if they were going to do it, um, and that there may well be contractual issues with the providers uh, of the technology um, that may run on for several seasons. Um, but that's fine. You just pay off your agreement and off they go. But it does need to go because it is destroying the game, and it's far worse than any mistake a referee ever made. And this is happening all of the time. And, and every single time, it's far worse than any mistake a referee would have made. And it's bringing the game into disrepute, I think. And it's become a laughingstock. It really has. It's crazy when you can go and watch high-level football across the, the rest of the pyramid. And you don't have this ridiculousness happening with such increasing regularity. It's becoming laughable. It really is. Um, and I think we should just go, well, we tried it. Everyone asked for the technology, but we could only implement it at the top level um, and we couldn't get it right. And so we're going to go back to the way it should be because um, this is absolutely crazy. It really is. Yeah, I mean, an unambiguous and entirely correct statement there by my colleague. I couldn't agree more. It's interesting what you said, Graham, earlier about one of the arguments for VAR is to provide support and help. But if you recall, it was only a few weeks ago that Mike Dean confessed that on one occasion he didn't, uh, what's the expression, send Anthony Taylor up to look at, at a particular obvious decision because he was his mate and he didn't want to put him through that. Yeah. And so that tells me that culturally it's not being seen as support, it's being seen almost as a punishment Yeah. because it's exposing an errors that are being made. And if that's the culture within the refereeing community, then that needs to stop and it needs to stop now mm. because it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for absolutely everybody. It's not serving the game and it's not serving the referees. I want to stress that as much as Darren England has made a mistake here, he has also followed what he thinks is the correct process. The PGMOL's initial statement on Saturday evening was to describe it as a significant human error and mention nothing about the process. Now, that is, we've all worked, I'm sure, and listeners have worked in companies where you get those kind of statements, you get those kind of emails where someone is being chucked under the bus. And that someone is down in England. And that is an absolute disgrace. Part of the PGMOL's remit must surely be to safeguard and protect the people who work for them. And it is absolutely outrageous to produce a statement like that. They just said, look, there's been a big error here. And we're going to go away and we're going to find out what happened. And we're going to review, yes, the human element, but we're also going to review the process and see what happened there. And at least that way you're providing some kind of protection for this guy. It's difficult, and I can imagine Liverpool fans not feeling this way at all. But I do empathise, I think, with Darren England, you know, assuming that he's not corrupt, and I'm going to assume that he's not corrupt. He must be feeling truly awful, and he, he must be wondering about his career. And, and I do feel that it's important to be sensitive to that when we're discussing this matter. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think you're right about what you said about the tone that Jurgen Klopp took as well, because if he was to fly off the handle in that, uh, in, in, in the many interviews he did post-match, then, you know, there are some very dangerous people out there, uh, unwell people, that the fact that Darren England's name is out there mm. um, that could seek to do him harm, and I don't think that his employers have, have done much to protect him on that at all. You're, you're right, I, I agree, Terry, he's been chucked under the bus. I don't think... And, I, and I, it's only going to take for someone to get hurt 
um, for this to happen, sadly. But I think that you shouldn't be naming the the, the people that are in the uh, the VAR um, box because when there's a mistake, I just think it's mm. you know our society's too unstable to allow that kind of um, that kind of thing to, to get out there. Yeah, really. but but yeah, if if you're worried about that, then why have it there in the first place? There's got to exactly. be some kind of of checks and balances on these sort of things because once you put a curtain in front of it, anything could be going on behind there. One of the problems I have with VAR is the fact that the VAR and the assistant VAR there are trained referees. They've gone through a career of being peer-reviewed all the time about how well they referee matches, coming up from the bottom all the way up, taking them years to get to where they are. However, the people who are pushing the buttons on there, we don't know who they are. We don't know what their background is. We don't know who they are. They, these are just employees of Hawkeye. You could have just started on Friday and you just know how to run a video machine. Was it one of those guys' idea to just show a still of the Curtis Jones challenge mm. instead of instead of the video, the real-time video? What do you think of that? Because, I mean, obviously that was pointed out, the fact that they didn't show it in real time, first of all, that they just showed the still, just showed him what he needed to see. I mean, like... I have to say, if you go in studs up into a player's ankle, then you're asking for asking for a red card. I do. I, I've got. To, yeah. I've got to say that when your foot goes over the ball. Yeah. I have a lot of sympathy for when players are coming at the same ball from right angles, because there's no way he's going for the player at all. But that doesn't matter. If you're not in control, then yeah. However, I think the problem here is the fact that VAR intervened there and it didn't intervene. At another time, both of which mean that instead of of Liverpool having an equal number of players than the opposition and having a goal, they they have neither of those two things. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. I mean, and, and you can understand why Liverpool fans would feel mightily aggrieved. Yeah, by it. and I think on yeah. this, I think on this occasion, they have every right to feel mightily, mightily aggrieved. I'm a little bit more sanguine on on Giotta's sending off. That, although I thought the yellow, the first yellow, was bizarre. Yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, but uh, but the second yellow, was like, yeah, you know, it's totally a yellow. But I put up a, a Twitter poll just frivolously. I wasn't really expecting on getting a sensible answer from it, but it was more about what was more ridiculous: the, that uh, red card or the Tommy Yasu one against Palace. But these are the corners that referees are being backed into. I think they are mm. making more decisions like this because of the messed up audit trail that is following mm. them all the time. But this is all part of this whole drive, again, driven by Howard Webb. I mean, to be fair, you know, it's, it's an international thing about yeah. extending the length of the game and punishing frivolous, sort of like annoying, cynical tactics. Remy Benzabaimi was sent off. Uh, he got a second yellow card on Friday yeah. by, because he was key kicked the ball away. The ball was out of play. Yeah. But he kicked the ball away. It was clearly a delaying tactic. It, it was clearly, but the ball was kind of out of play. It was petulant, I would suggest. I don't know whether or not really the game is served that much by sending the player off, but this is where they are. But this is the trouble that they're getting. Is that these guys are taking on so much extra stuff they've got to do. We want you to extend. We want more injury time, so we want you to be working longer hours, you know, and we want you to be harder on on cynical play. Oh, and we also want you to do the VAR. We want you to look out for you know bad tackles, and we and we want you to make VAR quicker. This is not being managed well. And again, it all goes back to Howard Webb. Yeah. And Howard Webb is the guy who ultimately takes responsibility for this. Mm. And I think Howard Webb is the person, I think that if they were to look at restructuring PGMOL, which I think 
is something that they should think about, then they could certainly start with Howard Webb. I don't like the idea of people losing their jobs, but I really don't feel as though he's handled this very well. And I just find it odd that you would make, I mean, his job title is chief refereeing officer. I don't even know that that's not a job title. He's the CEO (laughs) of a company, but he does not acting like one Hmm. or he's not acting like any good one. And I do wonder whether or not there needs to be some restructuring going on there and and maybe looking at his hiring choices. Because, I mean, like you look down the list of all of those people who work for that company and a lot of them, they're all referees who are refereeing at around the same time that Howard Webb was refereeing. Yeah. You know, it's all looking at that and saying, well, has there been much rigor been put into the recruitment of this? Has there been much oversight? Bibiana Steinhaus is a trailblazer and almost certainly deserving of the title of Women's Professional Game Director. But she is Howard Webb's wife. And so <laughs> where was does, what was the oversight process? What was the recruitment process of that? Yeah. Did he recuse himself from that and say, look, look guys, I can't get involved in this because that's my missus, you know? <laughs> and she got the job on merit, which I can believe because, yeah. again, she's yeah, an yeah, outstanding yeah. human being. And I don't want to trash on Bibiana Steinhaus out of this. But when you're looking at the the PGMOL and you're wondering if it's fit for purpose, you're seeing names like Richard Beebe works for the PGMOL. Richard Beebe, the guy who sent off Ross Flitney for when he was playing for Barnet in that League Cup game. I mean, a spectacularly average referee who never made it to Premier League level. I mean, he's not the Chris Foy's there. Lee Mason is there. Kevin, Andre Mariner, Andre Mariner is, is these, these are not for me, the cream of the crop when it comes to it. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I think it's right and fair to ask whether or not PGMOL is being run properly and with proper oversight. And I think that those are legitimate questions without wanting to be unpleasant or personal or, you know, or anything like that. I think that these are reasonable questions to ask. Are PGMLL as an organisation fit for purpose? Yeah, I think personally this whole bringing in of Howard Webb was very much a PR exercise though. And something that sat very well with broadcasters. They thought, oh, well, this this guy is something, someone who can talk our language a bit, make it a bit more presentable. But Mike Riley, like, you know, he's just someone who just doesn't work on TV. And and I, I, I honestly think that was the problem. I think that was an issue, the, the fact that they wanted someone who perhaps had a higher profile, someone who had actually refereed a World Cup final, someone who was actually our best, in inverted commas, referee. And it just goes to show that that doesn't mean you're going to go on to be a good CEO. Um, what's his experience? He, he, was, he was old Bill, wasn't he? He's a, he was a sergeant in the police force. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's no background in being a chief executive officer or a COO. I mean, the COO is Danielle Every, who has worked for the FA. She has worked. She just she came from British Cycling. I would suggest to you that she's probably, in terms of operating and making certain that all the light switches are on and, and all the, the and the taps work, yeah. you know, and everyone, and the facility, she probably is fine. But you have to wonder whether or not perhaps she would have been a better choice as CEO. And then having, you know, a technical director in, who yeah, could be Coward Webb, whose job is to just focus on the business rather than on actually the actual the, the work that they do rather than on running the, running the actual company. So it's a peculiar setup. Yes. Is what I am saying. And I think in view of what has been happening, it deserves a bit of extra scrutiny is what I think. It certainly does.
more scrutiny. You know what they need? They need someone watching them. They need the cameras on the people. I can see where you're going, Graham. I see where you're You're about to segue in. So let me just help you out a little bit more with that segue because it feels tortured even now before, you, <laughs> before you've even started. Can I just – and I'm sorry about this because this has been on my mind all bloody day. Good. On Saturday, we had – the first Villa player to score two hat-tricks in a season for his club since Andy Gray in the 1970s. We had Wolves beating Manchester City. We had Luton's first three points of their season. We had Palace going to Old Trafford and getting something. Again. Again. We had lots of football on that Saturday. And what is everyone talking about? Referees. We had Tottenham beating Liverpool under the most dramatic circumstances. And what are we talking about? VAR. What's controlling the narrative? VAR, referees, referees again. It's soul sapping, frankly. Yeah. And it's also ruining the product. Yeah. So somebody needs to give them a metaphorical slap around the face with a wet fish and tell them to get their act together because they're ruining football. And they're also letting down their colleagues at grassroots level, which is actually considerably more serious. Yes. Yeah. And if they're that serious about getting better referees because i've been looking at oh god how many different uh ways people have been coming up with on the hoof trying to say well this is the way you make var better and it invariably it puts more pressure on referees mm-hmm. you've either got to stand up and explain what you did talk to the crowd because yeah, they'll be very understanding with your with your you know, decision you know, I, you know what i think of when i hear about these little things that they can do yeah to improve var i think about that car in father ted which <laughs> had that little dent and he kept tapping away at the dent to try and get rid of the dent and he created more and by the end of it the car was a complete and utter mess that's what i think of when i hear about these things var should be scrapped they should pay off the contract var should be scrapped and we need fewer referees, not more. Yeah. Yeah, I quite agree. Um, but, and this is a, a subject for a whole other podcast, no doubt. This all started because people were wound up by the decisions that referees took. And people made livings out of writing about that and talking about that in the telly. And that's what's brought us to, this, to where we are now. So if we go back, we have to go back and we have to reset not just get rid of, of VAR. We need to reset our view on the, the how the games are officiated and accept that sometimes things are not perfect. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. But unfortunately, we live in a world that is entirely different now to even when we started this podcast. I was looking around on social media today and someone had put a report up, the Liverpool blogger, writer, had put up a a report, a big, big, big image about how Liverpool are hard done by with key decisions. And he'd gone through stats over the last eight years about how individual referees give bigger decisions against Liverpool than more often than they they do uh, for them. And the report that he'd written was immense, immense. But it's all information that is collected on things like Transfermarkt. And it's just a distillation of all that. When you're doing it as well with a bias of your own club and picking out the data that you want to and then making huge leaps in in your information by filling in the the gaps to your own ends, it just looked like one of those crazy conspiracy nuts that that Jan likes with like you know lots of lots of pieces of crumpled up paper stuck to the wall with red string tied to each other and 
and it was just crazy. But this is the craziness that people are in now. And because there is so much information out there and because we can just blather on about it, anyone can start their own podcast and start blathering on about how crap it all is, can't they, Terry? Sure yeah. Yes, they certainly can. There may be no going back on this now. VAR could be taken away, but you're never going to get rid of, of people just being insane, absolutely insane about decision making. But I don't know. I don't. There is no answer, um, which is which means that we'll be back soon <laughs> enough talking about this again. All we can do, Graham, is continue to watch the football. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. And talking of which, I wonder what we'll be watching this weekend. Um, I thought we were never going to get him onto that, you know. <laughs> it's my fault for cutting him off in his prime. So well, I, 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 yeah, I apologize. Well, actually, I wasn't going there then. I was what I was oh, going to. I was I was going to say VAR for VAR. That's where I was going with that one. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. Cameras in no. in the VAR box and have another VAR to, to look after the people doing VAR. Endless VAR. Endless Who VAR. watches the watchers? Yeah. Yes. Going up to the screen, and then you can see someone else going up to a screen, and you can see someone else going up to a screen. Oh, yeah. it's like a hall of mirrors yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> like the end of john wick 2 or the referee going up to the screen and just seeing a reflection of himself <laughs> oh that's very 2001 that isn't yeah, it but, i love but, that but, but, the, but yeah but it's an older version that's smiling back knowingly <laughs> <laughs> and a monolith there has to be a and monolith it's going to be, a it's gonna be yeah, standard yeah, yeah, standard yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how this ends <laughs> That's actually how this ends. Is that, is that you know, one day the referee walks up and instead of a monitor, it'll be a monolith. And then that'll be it. That'll be it. Well, this is how it started, isn't that'll it? Be because it. what happened is you had a load of, of knuckle dragging football fans who suddenly came across a camera and they're all walking around it and prodding it and going, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and then it ends with a monolith. Yeah. yeah uh, any, yeah. any listeners who've not seen 2001 probably need to pause now, go and watch it, and then you'll get the last five minutes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, everything you... will be clear then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a massively unambiguous and clear film, 2001. Well known for it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, bloody hell, don't have to spoon feed it to me, Kubrick. <laughs> Leave something to the imagination. <laughs> We're going to send the last five minutes upstairs to see what the referee thinks about. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have no idea what the fuck that was about. <laughs> oh. Well, um, well, yes, if you're still here, listeners, um, this weekend... <laughs> uh, this weekend... That's what, yeah. That is what happened, isn't it? Yeah. He had a Kubrickian meltdown, is what happened. <laughs> uh, right, sorry. sorry. <laughs> well, uh, if you want to see what we, we put in this weekend's box set, then get along to sofpodcast.com, click on the link... And then subscribe, uh, and you'll get what we think of the seven games that we think you should be watching from Friday to Sunday, including Arsenal versus Man City, Juve versus Torino, and Sunderland versus Borough. Yeah, and that's going to be great, isn't it? Massive uh, game. That. It will be. It will be great if we win. Yeah, massive yeah. game. That you yeah. know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big game, but it's not a derby. <laughs> it's, a, it's a massive derby. It's a, it's. A... <laughs> 
we're just hoping that we can gaslight Jan long enough that he'll he'll, he'll acknowledge that it is a. But you're holding up really well, Jan, under our intense pressure. Uh, yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very, Judas very, very well. Very, very, very well. We also got Gennaro Gattuso in post at Marseille. We've got his game or home game against uh, Le Havre on Sunday lunchtime, and Bayer Leverkusen top of the table. Bayer Leverkusen as well against Cologne. Would an easy game for them? You would you would imagine, Terry. You would like to think so because Cologne are toilet and Leverkusen are extremely good. Um, and 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 unlike normal Leverkusen teams, they don't tend to trip up. I mean, like they 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 beat the pants off of Mainz last week. Uh, I mean, lots of talk around Xabi Alonso, suggestions that he's going to Real Madrid already this season. He's going to be replacing uh, Carlo Ancelotti, but he's having an amazing season. And I think that there might be some this. This could happen, lads. Yeah, Leverkusen yeah. might do it, lads. Wow, it could happen. But they'll need to be teams like Cologne if they want to do it. Yeah, I, I did see that going around social media last week that Real Madrid had decided that Xavi Alonso was going to be their next manager. I, it didn't actually say whether or not they'd actually told him first. <laughs> you don't have to tell Xavi Alonso. He will just do as he's told, I think, don't you? you know what he says no to Real Madrid twice, unless you're Zinedine Zidane. Yeah, this is true. Ah, but that really is all we have time for this week. So from me, Graham Sibley, from Jan Bilton, and from Terry Thumb, it's goodbye. 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 You can contact us through our website, sofpodcast.com, via Twitter, at Sound of Football, or on facebook.com slash Sound of Football. Saturday was just like teeming with football. There was football everywhere. I was drenched in football.